0: Well, good morning. Uh, just a few things we need to mention. Uh, one about the announcement: supposed to see Deb Sanisco, not carry Long, about the questions about the get together on Saturday. And also, uh, Susie Strip, who is sitting on the very back row, right by the aisle, uh, would like to be a part of our congregation. So she's asked to place membership here, and so we want to welcome her into our family here at the Ridge Road Congregation. And so uh, if you haven't got to know her or introduced yourself to her, please do so uh, because I believe uh, we have a good family here and I want uh, people to realize just how happy we are to be together. Looking at the screen, you might think that I missed the day. Thursday was the day of Thanksgiving and I'm grateful that we live in a nation where we have a proclamation or we have a day that is set aside to be thankful for what we have and thankful to God uh, for what we have. But I thought it would be good to remind us, I wanted to step away from our series that we're looking at on the abundant life and talk about uh, being thankful. Because I think that sometimes we just kind of move on and we don't realize what the Bible has to say about it. And so I want us to look at some of the passages today, and hopefully we can learn how to be more grateful, uh, how we can encourage that in our lives. Because there have been many uh, uh, Thanksgiving Day proclamations over the years, but perhaps the Scripture is the one that we need to look at. In Colossians, or, uh, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 34, it says, "...O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever." And then as Mo read for us, Psalms chapter 100, and I'm going to ask you to keep your finger there on that one, because we're going to be coming back to that in our lesson this morning. But there it tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, serve the Lord with gladness, and that we need to know that the Lord, He is God, and that we are the sheep of His pasture, and that we are to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And we need to be thankful because He is a Lord. He is good. And His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth for all generations. Now, I did not read that word for word, but those, that's the point of that, of that uh, psalm that we need to understand. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15-17, through 17, it says, "...and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, through the which also ye are called in one body, And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. As a nation, as God's people, as a congregation of God's people, we should be very thankful. The Bible shows us here that we are to be thankful. And it really, to me, it should not even have to be a command. We need to look at what we have and realize what God has given to us and how we've been blessed, those of us that are members of the body of Christ, how we've been blessed with the promise of salvation. That we can have our sins washed away. And that we can have a relationship where we can call God our Father. And Jesus our elder brother. And that we can call each other our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is something that we need to be thankful for. Because God has blessed us tremendously. And so I want us to look this morning at cultivating or encouraging a heart of gratitude toward God. And so the first thing I want us to see in Psalms 100, where David says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. What does he mean by that? What does he mean to make a joyful noise unto the Lord? Well, we are to be vocally, or we are to vocally proclaim our joyful thanks to the Almighty God. And it is to be done with enthusiasm and excitement. We should be able to tell people, to show people what God, how God has blessed us, how He loves us and cares for us. And we need to have enthusiasm as we do that. We are, or the Hebrew word that is used means to make a public acknowledgement, to verbally confess, or to announce our thanksgiving. In the Hebrew mind in David's time, it was never enough to thank God quietly or privately. It was to be public. Our praise was to be heard by others. Their praise was to be heard by others. And brethren, I believe that our praise needs to be heard from others. To the faithful Hebrew, genuine thankfulness was not to be kept quiet. Read again the Old Testament verses that praise God, and we see it as part of the context that you'll find that it is to be done with joy, enthusiasm, and excitement. The very idea of praise seems to include excitement and enthusiasm for God and His care. When we're thankful for something, we get excited about it. We show that enthusiasm to others. We're thankful for something that's happened in our life that's good. We tell it with excitement. We tell it with enthusiasm. Paul tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit which we've been looking at. And that fruit of God is the evidence of Him living in our life. So let me say this. If God is the Almighty of this universe, and He lives in us, we should be filled with joy, and that joy is something that we cannot keep silent about. I think of Paul and Silas in jail. Do you think that they had that excitement and enthusiasm and love for God? And even in their situation that we looked at in one of our sermons, they still were able to sing praises to God. I believe that shows their thankfulness for what God had done for them. We're to shout with joy to the Lord all the earth, as it says in those verses. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with a joyful song. May we cultivate such joy in our lives. And have that excitement in our thanksgiving to God. Second point our thanksgiving is to be expressed by worshiping God gladly. That means that we're excited to be here. That is something that we look forward to. That is something that we anticipate throughout the week, looking forward to that day that we can come and worship God. How many of us have that attitude? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Now I realize that this isn't the temple, that this building isn't sacred, but we come here to worship our God. How many of us have that enthusiasm and excitement about being here to worship the Almighty? Now we might get excited about seeing each other, and that's good. But are we just as excited or more excited because we're here to worship and praise the Almighty? In Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 11, we find that thankful people are to be obedient, worshiping, and serving people. Because it tells us in those passages of Scripture, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, "...that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that or what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." You see, God wants our worship. He wants to hear that we're thankful for all that He's done for us, but He also wants us to realize that our body belongs to Him, and that we are that living sacrifice... That we are to be holy and acceptable in His sight. And that we are to serve Him with gladness as we go through this life. And in the wilderness we see where Jesus, when He was tempted by Satan, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10, it was there that He said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. So what is Jesus saying to Satan? That God is deserving and that God is to be worshipped and it is God that we serve. So we want, God wants us to be obedient to His Word and by being obedient to His Word, we're thankful. And so we lift up praise to God and we serve Him out of the gladness and joy that we get by having God in our lives. Do we look at it that way? You see, when Jesus said that, we see the word and. And that ties those two things together. When He said that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only shalt thou serve, those two things are equally tied together. God desires both worship and service as one. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, it was Solomon who said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You see, Solomon tried a whole lot of things. He's like a lot of people that I know. They think all these other things are going to bring happiness and contentment and put joy in their heart. All those worldly things. Solomon tried a lot of them. But when he got right down to it, he realized that all of that All of that stuff, all of those things that he tried, was vanity. And the bottom line, fear God, keep His commandments, for that's the whole duty of man. Brethren, joy, thanksgiving, comes from a heart that is right with God. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15, If you love Me, keep My commandments. The question is, do we love God? Do we love Jesus? Are we keeping those things that He's told us to do? Are we keeping His commandments? You see, our joy for God is expressed in our worship service. Let me just say this to those who don't want to come back on Sunday evening. Or to Wednesday night Bible study. And I want to say this as kindly as I can, but I want us to think about our need, or we need to consider our gladness, our joy, our thankfulness to God when we decide not to come and worship Him. Can we really say the words that David said? Psalms 122 and verse 1. when He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Can we say that truthfully? If we intend to not be here and we purposely intend to not be here when we worship God. Are we glad? Are we rejoicing? Are we worshiping and serving Him? When we decide to place something else before praising him in song, in sermon, and in prayer, think about it. Give us some thought. You remember it was Paul who said in Second Corinthians chapter five and verse fourteen. For the love of Christ constraineth us. In some versions it says The love of Christ compels us. And you think about that. When you realize the love that Christ had for you, the love that God had for you, and what they did so that we could have that relationship with Him, does it compel you to do what God wants you to do? To live the way God wants you to live? To worship the way God wants you to worship? To be thankful what God has blessed us with. Think about it. Think about what God's done for us spiritually. He's made it possible that we could have our sins blotted out and remembered against us no more. He's made it possible that that blood can continually cleanse us when we take care of it the way that God has prescribed in His Word. Think about it. Our everyday blessings... From Him that He gives us every day. That sustains our physical lives. That helps us to make it through the day. That gives us people around us that care about us. All those blessings that God has blessed us with physically. Think about the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Where we have the privilege of being able to come together unmolested, unpersecuted. We can come together and worship God freely. Oh, there's people out there that don't like us coming together. But there's laws that protect us. And we live in a world and in a society, our society especially, where we have that freedom. Some places you're going to be beaten if they catch you worshiping God. You may be put in prison for worshiping God. You may be put in prison for carrying a Bible. But not so here. Are we thankful for all the good things that God's blessed us with? His protection and His grace. The grace that He extends to us when we didn't deserve it. But He made it possible that we could have our sins blotted out. Because Jesus died on the cross and he extended that plan to us. You know, how many times has somebody done something to us as an individual and we kind of just kick them to the curb because they don't deserve our friendship? They don't deserve to be able to be around us. Aren't you thankful that God isn't like that? That God doesn't kick us to the curb and say, well, look what you've done. You get what you deserve. Well, you made your bed. Now you can lie in it. God doesn't say those things. He always has a door open so that we can come back. That's a blessing that He's given us. He protects us because we realize that no matter what man can do to us here on this this earth, they may put us in prison. They may beat us. They may uh, kill us. But they can't take God out of our lives. And they can't Take away that home in heaven that He's promised to us if we're faithful, even if it costs us our life. In light of all that, we need to be thankful not for all of those things, but thankful because God is God. How can we keep from worshiping and serving Him with gladness, joy, and thanksgiving? Second Corinthians chapter three and verse two: Ye are our epistles written on our hearts, or in our hearts known and read of all men. People read your life, whether you like it or not. I know that there's celebrities and there's a sports figures. They don't want to be a someone that people look up to or admire. They don't want to be that role model. But guess what? We're all role models one way or another, whether we like it or not. Somebody's watching us. Paul put it this way as children, that we are lights shining in the universe, sent to serve others. That, like Paul, Christ is living in you and me. That's exhibited by evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You see, if God, if Christ are living in our lives, then that Spirit is going to show forth the fruit of that Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things would be in our lives. Listen, your life, my life, is an epistle. That people are reading every day. Our light, if we're faithful to God, will shine. But sometimes we may put that bushel over that light and hide that light. That's not what God wants us to be. He wants us to be that light that the world can see, that draws people to Him. And our fruit is best enjoyed when we worship and serve God with joy and gladness, with excitement and enthusiasm. The third point is this. Thanksgiving in our heart is an attitude. David said, we are to serve God with gladness in verse 2 of Psalms one hundred. We are to serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. You ever been out somewhere and you just started singing? Why is that? Sometimes there's joy in your heart. There's just you can't keep quiet about it. And I think that that's the whole message of the Old Testament there when it's talking about in Psalms 100 that. The Hebrew word there is expressing you don't do it quietly. People are going to hear that. They're going to see the joy that you have in your heart. And even when trials come our way, difficulties arise in our lives, we still sing. Why? Because just like Paul and Silas, we know the love of God. We know how He's blessed us. And we're going to praise Him no matter what happens in our lives. Our singing must come from the heart. And it must be with the Spirit and the understanding. We can sing anytime, anywhere we want to sing. But genuine gratitude has its origination in our heart. We sing praises to God. Why? If it's sincere, then it's coming from an attitude of being grateful for what God has blessed us with. I believe that you can tell a lot about a congregation by listening to their singing. When you enter a church that has that is genuinely thankful, there's intensity in their song service, in their worship. They're praising God and they realize that it's God that they're here to serve. And whether there's ten people or a thousand people or ten thousand people, If it's genuine, if they have that sincere thankfulness in their heart, you'll be able to tell. I want to ask this morning, where is our worship? Here at our congregation, at Ridge Row, where is our worship focused? When you're singing songs today when you're singing songs next Sunday or Wednesday night or whatever day it may be, when you're singing those songs as we've come together collectively, where's your focus? Is it on God? Is it on Jesus? Or is it upon ourselves? You say, well, we're to teach and admonish one another. Yes, that's true. But we do that as we're praising God. And sometimes I think that we get more concerned, not saying it's here, but I know in other places, sometimes we get more concerned with how it sounds. Is everybody on key? Is everybody doing it right? But we don't have or see the enthusiasm. We don't see the excitement. That doesn't mean I've got to jump up and down and clap my hands and do all that stuff. We can be excited, we can be enthusiastic in lifting our voices in praise to God. Are we interested in pleasing ourselves as we assemble here today? Or are we more concerned about serving God, worshiping Him? Who we're praising and what we're pleasing are important questions. So we've got to ask the question, are we worshiping self? Are we here this morning to please self? Or are we genuinely thankful to God for all that he is, all that He has done and continues to do for us daily, moment by moment? And have we come here to offer Him our worship and praise? Why are you here today? I'm just asking who are we here to worship? Who are we here to please? And who are we here to serve? The point is joy and thanksgiving gratitude is a heart condition. A genuine thankfulness comes from within. It's exhibited it exhibits itself in exuberant song of praise. I believe that that's why Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. There's a song in our songbook, it's hymn number 251. The name of that song is Marching to Zion. <clears throat> and the first verse of that song goes like this Come, we that love the Lord, and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord, and thus surround the throne. The idea from that verse is that we're gathered around God's throne to worship Him. And that when we do that, we are letting our joys be known. That we are joyous because of what God has done for us. And we're extending our praise to Him. We lift those songs up. Why? Because we want the world to hear. But listen to what the second verse says. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. But children of the heavenly King may speak their joys abroad. My friend, there's a difference in knowing God and just knowing about God. There's a difference when you have Jesus and God in your life and in your heart than just saying that, yeah, I know who God is. I know who His Son is. There's a big difference. Do we know the Shepherd? We are His sheep, but do we know the Shepherd? You know, I've read, I've never seen it, I've read that... Over in uh, in the Beth, uh, in the areas where the New Testament was written, that the shepherds could say or call their sheep, and they would all be in pens together. But those sheep knew their shepherd. They knew by the call or the sound of his voice that that shepherd was theirs, and that they would respond by doing what he was calling them to do. Question is: Do we know the Shepherd enough to obey His voice? And that Shepherd is God. That Shepherd is Christ. Do we know them well enough to follow them and do what they want us to do? Psalms one hundred: Know the Lord is good. And we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then look at verse 5. Note some phrases there. For he is, for the Lord is good. He's always good. Do we realize that? Is he only good in our lives when he gives us what we want and everything's going the way we would like for it to go? Is He only good when everything's rosy? Or is He good no matter what's happening in our lives? Well, if we really know God, if we sincerely trust Him, if we're really thankful for what He's given us, then we realize that He's good no matter what comes our way. The New Testament Scriptures tells us that every good thing in life... As it says in verse 17 of James chapter 1, "...every good and perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning." So what do we learn? That every good thing, our faith, our family, our food, our health, our happiness, all come from God. Every good thing, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. In whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning, there is absolutely no darkness in God. God is good. God is always good. As it tells us in Psalms 100, His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures forever. So those verses tell us without any doubt that our thanksgiving is to be perpetual. It's not to be reserved for one day out of the year. It's not to be reserved just for Sunday as we worship Him and lift up our voices and praise to Him with enthusiasm and excitement. But it should be every day. Because God is always good he's always good even when we think that he's not good God is good even when our life falls apart God is good passage of scripture in Habakkuk I've heard it said so many different ways I don't know how you pronounce that name for that book of the Bible but you know which one I'm talking about I got it on the screen chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18, listen to what he says. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Does this sound like somebody that has everything going for them in life that they would like? sounds to me like someone that is struggling. Doesn't have food. Doesn't have the things that are necessary. But yet he realizes that he will rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because God is His salvation. In 1620, there was about 102 pilgrims that came to this continent to build a better life in <clears throat> a new world so that they could have freedom of worship and serve God freely. Now I know they're trying to change that description of history. You go to Plymouth Rock where they were uh, arrived or went ashore, there they try to change that to show that they didn't come for religious freedom at all. They came for greed. That's all they came for was greed. That's not what the truth is. They came for religious freedom. And soon after they landed, 56 died due to starvation Disease and a cold winter. They were prepared for that. And I've been on a replica of the Mayflower. And to think that there was a hundred people on that ship, plus the crew, was just beyond my imagination. Because they would be packed in there like sardines. But that's where they chose to stay. While they built their community, and late the year later in 1621, 46 pilgrims and 91 Indians met to give thanks for bountiful harvest that had preserved their lives. Now, I don't want to get into politics, but. I'd heard on the news that there was an unthankful celebration too. That's what they call it the unthankful celebration. For those that despised that day because of what the Europeans did, how they stole all their land and did all that stuff. And I read that 46 pilgrims, 91 Indians. And if you read, you'll find that 91 Indians were Indian warriors. It wouldn't have been hard for them to just eliminate the pilgrims. So no matter what people sometimes try to change history into, always try to remember what the real history is. Because they had an opportunity there to wipe out the whole colony there. But they did it. They brought enough venison for everyone to eat. But you see, those pilgrims had every reason to be depressed with all the death that had taken place from their friends and family. Every reason to be discouraged. But they chose to give thanks. The book of Habakkuk was written against the backdrop of apostasy, God's judgment, and unbelievable hardship. It was written during the time of the king of Judah because he had led people away from the Lord into idolatry. And as a result, God was preparing to judge the nation. And the prophet is having trouble understanding why God would use a heathen nation like Babylon to punish His people. It's kind of saying, God, you need to come down and explain yourselves to me. There's similarities between this prophet, Habakkuk, and Job. Job argues his case, but in the end he realizes that God is not to be worshipped merely because of the temporal, material, physical blessings of life. But simply to be worshipped and praised because of who He is. Because He is God. Job and Habakkuk, they didn't understand God. They questioned God. But when God shows up, when they see Him for who He really is, they have nothing more to say but praise Him in thanksgiving. Isaiah had a similar experience in Isaiah chapter 6 when he said, Woe is me. Basically he said, I'm a sinner. I have unclean lips. But then the Lord asked, Who shall I send? And it was Isaiah who said, Here am I, Lord. Use me. Let me go. Let me do the work that you need done. The lesson is, we are to be thankful even when our life crumbles in. We are to know that even when things look bleak in our lives, that God is still God. He's still on His throne. He's still in control. And He still works in our lives to make all things work together for good. To them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. To our betterment, we need to be thankful. So thankful. Then our fourth point, Thanksgiving is a choice. You see, joy and thankfulness, praise, worship, all of those things are choices that we make. What are we choosing in this life? You see, I believe when we have that inner peace, because God is in our lives, that we're doing His will that we can have peace with Him knowing that we're operating our lives in a way that's acceptable to Him, and that we have peace with one another, there's something that brings that inner peace in us. We need to be thankful for that. You see, we can choose to look at all the things we don't have. and Many times we fail to look at the things that we do have. The blessings that God has extended to us. And if you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, I want to encourage you to choose joy. Choose to be a person of thanksgiving by faith and baptism into Christ. Because when you do that, you'll rise to be a new person. Forgiven of your sins because you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And most of us that are Christians just need to accept the challenge to live a faithful life in service to Him and live a life with sincere gratitude for all the things that God has blessed us with. And so this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.